For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Happy Wednesday, football fans, and welcome into another edition of the Pro Football Chase Podcast. I'm Isaac Sines, and I thank you for joining me. In today's episode, NFL defensive tackle Jarrell Worthy and I break down every trade that went down ahead of Tuesday's deadline and share our mid-season power rankings. We also preview Week 9's matchups and answer some fan questions. This is the Pro Football Chase Podcast, a podcast that has featured interviews with Rams wide receiver Robert Woods. 32,000 yards, uh, and you know, last year, unfortunately, I got hurt mid, mid way in the season, but other than that, just just working and grinding to, to get to this point, and uh, finally broke it with a lot of games left. Packers wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Uh, just the fact that we got a, you know, a, a all-pro on the other side of the ball, um, um, so when you got a guy like that, you know, that's who's going to get the main focus. Um, obviously, you know, people start to know my name a little bit after I made a few plays here and there. Broncos offensive guard Ronald Leary. It would either have to be a counter or uh, a pin and pull play when we get on the edge and run. Uh, I think it's always impressive when big guys can get out that stance and move and hit somebody. So In rising stars, Dalton Risner, Charles Amenahu, and Jawan Williams. This is a podcast that offers player perspectives from some well-decorated veterans, including T.J. Hushman Zada. And people will say, oh, well, is that Russ got a franchise quarterback? Uh, look, look at his record, doesn't it tells you he is. Oh, he has a great business. You tell me a quarterback in the entire NFL that's not Tom Brady that does more with that. Game previews, recaps, and analysis. Turn the volume up. The chase is on, and the chase is live.
Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome into the Pro Football Chase Podcast. It's Isaac Signs with you, along with my co-host, Jarrell Worthy, NFL defensive tackle. We're coming at you again. It is week nine of the NFL season. A lot to unpack today. We got power rankings. Since we've reached the midpoint of the NFL season, it's time to see where these teams rank in our books. So I'm looking forward to getting into that with you, Jarrell, to see where you have your teams listed as well, along with a couple of trades, a little bit of a slower trade deadline than a lot of people anticipated. But we got a lot to discuss, Jarrell. So how you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing phenomenal. It's an excellent day today. It's a little rainy down here in Georgia. Um, hopefully we don't get rained out for Halloween. But otherwise, man, I'm up. I'm excited about today and I'm uh, ready to get talking about some football. I want to just briefly touch on a headline that made news yesterday. And it was the Cincinnati Bengals. They decided to bench Andy Dalton in favor of rookie Ryan Finley. The news came two days after the Bengals, who are now 0-8, matched their worst start since 2008. The Bengals are on a bye week, so they figured that, hey, we'll make the change now. Let Finley get a whole week of practice, some preparation, and get ready for the Ravens on November 10th. Andy Dalton, 32 years old, he had been the Bengals starter since they selected him in the second round of the 2011 draft, so that's a long time as the starter there in Cincinnati. In fact, Dalton is tied with Ken Anderson for the most touchdown passes in franchise history with 197 and second in career passing yards, so this is not just a typical quarterback. This guy means something to the franchise. So it was a drastic announcement and it hit a lot of veteran players in that Bengals locker room by surprise. So you being an NFL player, Jarrell, how can a change affect a player like Dalton at this point in his career? And do you think it was the right move by Zach Taylor to turn the table to Finley? So coming at you from a couple different perspectives, uh, being a player in the locker room, when, uh, when you have a guy like that getting benched, um, if you're in contention for your division and you think the move is beneficial for your team, if that guy hasn't been performing up to uh, expectations, then at the end of the day, as a player, you're going to kind of side with management and you're going to have to have an understanding and uh, move forward as far as your position. But when it comes to being a player and you guys are 0-8, you realize that, you know, the, the management uh, has just recently given up on, on the team. And obviously, you know, being 0-8, you understand that, you know, unless you go 8-0, there's no really chance of you ever uh, getting anything, anything out of this season. Um, but when you come through it from a, a player's perspective, I think that those guys are just kind of upset because, you know, they have to put their bodies on the line while Andy Dalton gets the opportunity to put his feet up and, and kind of become like a quarterback's coach for the younger player. And I think, um, when you're in, when you're in the management situation, you have to uh, in, protect your investment. Uh, I think Andy Dalton, being 32 years old, um, having the type of success that he's had, you realize that AJ Green is not going to mean much to you this year. Hopefully, you get him back and 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 you can extend him as far as the contract is concerned. Uh, but I think that personally, um, you know, management is just trying to protect their investment while the players are just kind of upset that they have to still put their bodies on the line in order uh, to feed their families. Through eight games, Dalton is ranked 28th among 33 qualifying quarterbacks in total QBR. His rating is 38.8, and that's the lowest of his career. So you can tell that 
He hasn't been very productive this season. Now, I think it's unfair to put all the criticism on Andy Dalton drill because you know what? If you watch the Bengals play this year, Dalton has been running for his life every single snap. No protection, so he has no time to throw. Down A.J. Green, he's got Tyler Boyd out there, Tyler Eifert, Joe Mixon, who's an efficient running back. But at the end of the day, from Zach Taylor's standpoint, I think it was the right move. I mean, you got to see what you have in Ryan Finley, fourth-round pick, which was the highest the Bengals used a pick on a quarterback since Andy Dalton in 2011, which was a second-round pick. And so you're 0-8. The conditions are still the same. You're not going to have a brand-new offensive line for Finley out there. But see what he's made out of. See if he can make some throws down the field because as this Bengals organization moves forward into the offseason, they can get a better sense of, well, do we have something in Finley or do we need to target a quarterback with our top pick? Yeah, absolutely. You always want to check uh, check your roster to see if there's any hidden gems that has any opportunity to uh, impact a football team. And, you know, when you're 0-8, everything is up for experiment. I mean, I think the offensive line is up for experiment. Uh, when I had an opportunity to come in with Buffalo and uh, – we were kind of competing for a playoff spot uh, when I when I had opportunity to sign uh, with them a few years ago where Rex Ryan was the coach. Um, Rex Ryan gave me an opportunity, man, where there was guys, there was a lot of superstars in our defensive line room, and uh, they wanted to just add a little flavor to the lineup. And so, you know, when I had opportunity to get signed, they allowed me to come in and, and be a part of that team and, and earn my spot. And I think when you have a, a situation like the 0-8 Bengals, man, you have to go in inside your locker room to see if there's any opportunities for guys to uh, make plays and, and, and then you, that you can invest in moving forward. That was a key talking point and something that got a lot of people's attention on Tuesday considering Annie Dalton and his resume. So some people thought he could be traded ahead of Tuesday's deadline, but he didn't. And that's a perfect segue because there's a couple of trades that not just happened yesterday, but... We had one Kenyon Drake going from the Dolphins to the Arizona Cardinals for a conditional 2026 round pick. That happened on Monday, and that 2020 pick can become a fifth round pick depending on how many snaps Drake plays for the Cardinals. Now, I think Arizona, they really were in desperation mode trying to acquire another running back on a short week. They play the Niners on Thursday. David Johnson's nursing an ankle injury. Chase Edmonds has a hamstring strain. And both of those guys are unlikely to play on a short week. So Drake does add some playmaking and dual threat ability for an Arizona team that's 3-4-1 and and hoping to stay in the playoff picture. Although their odds of making it in that tough NFC West division, they're pretty slim right now. But... I like this move for the Cardinals, Cliff Kingsbury's offense. It could serve a player like Drake Well, who is a very dynamic athlete and can make some plays out in space. I would agree with you, Isaac. I think it's very beneficial for the Arizona Cardinals to try to add some running back depth. Uh, we see how Johnson's been, um, how his, his body hasn't had an opportunity to, to uh, recover in the right type of way to where he's having these nagging injuries continuously over his career. Um, as I said before on, on previous podcasts, uh, in order for the Arizona Cardinals to have any type of uh, any type of willpower, or any type of, of chance of competing in this uh, this tough division that's been tough for a number of years now, man, I think it, it's definitely going to have to run through David Johnson. And, and so, with him being on the the shelf and possibly being on the shelf for a couple of weeks, man, Kenyon Drake, a guy 
part of a team that's not really trying to go anywhere. That's a guy that's a playmaker. You saw what he was able to do against the New England Patriots in that uh, historical play, uh, taking it to the house, man. And you know when he gets the ball in his hands, uh, he has an opportunity to make some big plays. And I think for the Arizona Cardinals, uh, there's a couple of things when I think it is how concerned are we about David Johnson moving forward? I mean, he's had a new, uh, a countless amount of, of nagging injuries this, that's uh, withheld him from being the best person or the best player that he can be for our franchise. And we've extended him as far as the contract is concerned. Um, we have to find a way to to find value in him. And I think you do that by bringing in some competition is with, with Kenyon Drake uh, ahead of next year. But as well as you have some uh, continuity to build behind a guy that wants to be a part of a winning organization, that wants to have an opportunity to compete. And I think that he's going to have a, a great deal uh, to do that out in Arizona. Now, keeping it there in Miami, the Dolphins also acquired a keep to leave and a 2025th round pick from the Rams for a future seventh round pick on Tuesday. Now, this was just a salary cap move by the Rams. They traded Tlaib, who's currently on injured reserve with a rib injury. He's eligible to return in Week 15. The Rams went ahead and cleared $4.2 million in cap room by trading a keep to leave. And most people indicate that that money is going to go directly to Jalen Ramsey as the Rams work on getting him signed long term. But at this point, the Dolphins were like, hey, we'll go ahead and take Tlaib. We'll take your fifth-round pick in the process. But there's pretty much a strong belief that when Tlaib returns from injured reserve in Week 15, he's not going to play it down for the Dolphins. And so in that case, Miami could either cut him and let him go sign with a team like the Patriots. Maybe he goes back to the Rams. I mean, you never know. But on that note, Drill, Miami, after that acquisition of the 2025th round pick from LA they now have 14 picks in the 2020 draft including three first rounders two second rounders and two projected compensatory picks so they are loaded but Chris Greer their GM it doesn't mean anything if he can't hit with those picks absolutely man I think if uh if they have an opportunity to turn um you know, some, uh, nothing into something, man, that would be phenomenal for this team. I think, you know, the Miami Dolphins are trying to position themselves long term, although to, uh, to their fan base, it looks horrible uh, week in and week out, man. I always pray for, for Fitzpatrick because he's uh, he's such a great teammate, such a great competitor, but they just look horrendous, man. And I think, um, you know, they, they they'll have an opportunity in the future. Uh, if they can, if they can get things moving in the right direction, I feel I definitely feel terrible for Brian being the head coach, having to deal with that your very first year and going into management every day and uh, having to look them in the face, knowing that they aren't uh, equipping you with the right tools in order to be successful. But hopefully things can turn around and they'll give him his opportunity to be uh, be the man. But the Rams, man, I think uh, they have they have to make a change um, defensively and, you know, uh, you know, from reports, there was some some jitter in the locker room amongst the amongst the two guys that were traded. There's a lot of uh, riff as far as uh, the continuity and the culture in the locker room and, and how it kind of affected their on the field play. And so I think when you have that opportunity to kind of uh, weed yourself of the guys that are kind of uh, making a writ in your locker room, not necessarily not saying that these guys are are horrible guys, but if you have an opportunity to clear the air and move on down the line with a fresh with a fresh voice and uh, and guys that are, are all about buying in, 
then I think the Rams are in a position to to turn things around. So I actually like the trade for both. Yeah, the Dolphins now, they've traded Laramie Tunsil, Kenny Stills, Minka Fitzpatrick, Kiko Alonso, and now Kenny and Drake the last two months. So let that sit in your head a little bit. The Dolphins, they are clearly unloading players, compiling draft picks. So let's go ahead and talk about this trade here, Jarrell, and then we'll go ahead and move to our highly anticipated power rankings the Giants, they acquired a former first-round pick in Leonard Williams. Now, on the podcast last week, I had put the Indianapolis Colts as my ideal landing spot for him, but he ends up going cross town to the Giants. The Giants give the Jets a 2023rd round pick and a 2021 fifth-round pick. This is interesting because this is the first trade that has ever been negotiated by the Giants and the Jets. So Joe Douglas, the new GM for the Jets, and Dave Gettleman wasting no time to do some business there. So that added a little bit of a dynamic to that deal. But Leonard Williams, he's in the final year of his deal, so he's going to become an unrestricted free agent in March. So it's a little bit of a gamble from the Giants aspect, but clearly Gettleman values the hog mollies, as he said, offense and defense alignment. He likes to build his teams in the trenches. And so acquiring a player like Leonard Williams, who can come in and compliment Dexter Lawrence, their first-round pick, Dalvin Tomlinson, their 2017 second-round pick, and B.J. Hill, their 2018 third-round pick on that line, and help generate a pass rush because the Giants have struggled in that category. What are your thoughts on this move? Um, as far as the Jets, I, I think I don't necessarily think it was the best move. I think that Leonard Williams uh, has been a staple in their defense for um, since he was drafted out of USC. I think that he's a, a great complement to their defensive scheme. I just think that as far as the management goes, their defense just hasn't been um, working on the same level that they should. Um, I don't necessarily think that unloading Leonard Williams would be the best plan because I think well, who is his replacement? Um, you know, there's nobody that I necessarily would think of on the free agent market coming up that will be, that will have opportunity to uh, replace his productivity that he's given that he's uh, his production that he's giving you uh, since he's walked in, in the locker room. And so, you know, for the giants, they're taking a gamble. I know that Gettleman loves defense alignment, um, but I don't think that he makes this move unless uh, you know, you have, you've heard behind the scenes or, or things of that nature that Leonard, that Leonard Williams does not, does not want to leave the, uh, the city of New York. And so, I don't think he. I don't think he would make this trade without having um, having knowing in his back pocket that Leonard Williams wants to stay in the city of New York and not really test the waters with other teams. Well, Williams is underwhelmed a little bit this season and seven starts for the Jets. He's just recorded 20 total tackles and one pass defense, so perhaps a change of scenery with the Giants because he's not moving town, that's for sure. Could do him some justice moving forward as he gets set to hit the free agent market. But here's a unique stat I saw from Next Gen Stats. The Giants' pass rush has generated the third lowest pressure rate in the NFL this season. And Williams has twice as many pressures, 14, as any other interior defense alignment on the Giants. So clearly that stat speaks for itself. The Giants believe Williams can come in, be an instant contributor, although they're 2-6. and six. So we'll see how that shapes up as they look to lock him up to a long-term deal after the season. But Jarrell, it's time for the power ranking, something that I've been looking forward to see. Where you have these teams ranked, I'm eager to share where I have these teams pegged on my list. So here's how we're going to run this show. We're going to go ahead and start from the bottom all the way to the top because we got to build that injury. You know what I mean, Jarrell? we got to keep our listeners mm-hmm. 
hanging on, wanting to listen into our top team. So we'll go from 32 to 21, and then from 20 to 11, and then we'll go into more detail with our top 10 teams. So on that note, I want you to list your teams 32 to 21. All right, all right. I'm ready to do this, man. I think we all know who's number 32, uh, the Miami Dolphins, and um, just horrific they've been looking this year, how they're purposely trying to tank. Um, 31 is the Bengals. They've looked terrible, obviously, with the change there. Quarterback, we'll see what they can do. Uh, the Redskins, they've been horrific for uh, for a very long time, and I don't necessarily see them getting any better. Uh, 29 is the Jets. Uh, 28, the uh, the New York Giants, um, their, <laughs> their backyard brothers. Um, 27 being the Atlanta Falcons and um, just how horrific their season has been and underwhel- underachieving, and uh, as well as uh, 26 being the uh, Los Angeles Chargers and just, I mean, not being able to repeat after the, the tough season, the great season that they had last year, um, just underperforming uh, week in and week out offensively. Um, 25, the Broncos and uh, 20, 25, so, uh, excuse me, uh, 25 being, 25 being uh, the Denver Broncos, 24 being the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, 23, being the Pittsburgh Steelers, 22, the Cleveland Browns. And that's only by a short margin just because they have a starting quarterback, which she's been completely underperforming. And uh, for 20 and 21, I have the uh, the Oakland Raiders. All right. Well, we got some similarities, actually. So for me, I have the Dolphins, of course, number 32, where they belong. The Bengals, 31. Jets, 30. 29, the Washington Redskins. 28, the Atlanta Falcons. 27, the Buccaneers, 26, the Giants, 25, Broncos, 24, Browns, 23, Steelers, 22, Bears, and 21, Raiders. So both you and I had the Raiders at 21, had the Dolphins at 32, and pretty similar teams in the back end of our power rankings. We're going to go from 20 to 11. I'll go ahead and give mine, Jarrell, and then you can uh, bounce back and share yours. But for 20... I have the Los Angeles Chargers, as you just alluded to that. The Chargers have been underwhelming. They're 3-5. and five. They've dealt with a bevy of injuries. They got a big-time win on the road against the Bears last week. We'll see if they can build on that. Number 19, I have the Arizona Cardinals, 3-4-1. This team does have talent on both sides of the ball, but I want to see a little bit more from them. 18, Detroit Lions. 17, the Carolina Panthers. 16, the Tennessee Titans. 15, Gardner Minshew and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, Jarrell, here's another note. Nick Foles is supposed to return in week 11, and I'm mm. very interested to see how mm. the Jaguars are going to handle this, if they're going to keep Minshew at starting quarterback or they're going to give Foles, who they paid a big, a big amount of money, that starting job back. Hey, look, I just want to cut you off for a second. If Nick Foles got that twinkle in his eye, hey, you got to play the man. I just want to let you know, like, if he has any amount of that little that little stardust from his few runs in Philly, man, you got to play him. Because at the end of the day, I feel, I feel like he's a guy who's always been able to sit back, look at what's been going wrong. And when he steps in, he does everything that's been going wrong the right way. 
So it'll be exciting to see. Yeah, man. I'm sure that's going to be a hot topic we'll be touching on in a couple of weeks. But number 14, getting back to the power rankings, I have the Buffalo Bills, 5-2. and two. 13, the Philadelphia Eagles, who are at 4-4. Four and four. 12, the Dallas Cowboys. 11, the Houston Texans. So that's me from 20 to 11. How about yourself? Man, so it's definitely uh, extremely close as far as uh, our rankings, um, but unfortunately, man, uh, you got the Cowboys ranked a lot higher than than I do. Um, Here we go, <laughs> man. Let's hear it. <laughs> you better bring some reasoning oh, man, behind that no, ranking. No. <laughs> man, dog, uh, man, you are so funny, bro. But um, okay, so from twenty to eleven. So at twenty, um, or actually at uh, twenty, I have the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I think, you know, what they've been able to do in their division, getting a, getting a couple wins. I know that they've been from some uh, inferior opponents, but that builds confidence. Patrick Peterson back. They'll have opportunity. The Tennessee Titans at, uh, coming in uh, 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 right before them, man, they've, they've continued to kind of have me on the fence, man. When you look at it, they're still right in the neck of it, uh, right in the thick of it as far as their division goes. And I just think that it's, uh, it's, very, it's up for grabs for anyone who uh, wants – who wants dibs. And so uh, moving forward um, at, uh, at 18, I have the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like we said before, the, the guys as um, the decision that they have to make moving forward for Nick Foles and Gardner Minshew. I mean, I know Gardner Minshew's had a, a, a great start, but it's going to be interesting to see uh, if they, if they have opportunity to pull in uh, Nick Foles and make a run at, at the playoffs. Like I said, this division is wide open between the Colts, Titans, Jags, and, and the Texans. Um, uh, the next team I have is the, it's the Chicago Bears. I think offensively they're going to have to find a way to improve. I think that um, Trubisky is in a is in a very tough situation because Chicago Bear fans are not going to wait for him to to get it right. They want to see him get it right now. I think ahead of them I have the the Detroit Lions. I think they they continue to surprise me. They're always in games week in and week out, but haven't found a way to necessarily pull through. Uh, but the win last week is is, is a reason why they've improved in the rankings. Um, uh, ahead of them, I have the Dallas Cowboys. I find them in the middle of the pack um, at 15 just because of the simple fact that they've been inconsistent for me week in and week out. I know that they had the great game against Philly, um, but if you're a great team, Fantastic a great franchise. Game. Yes, yes, they did. Yes, they did. They, uh, but just, you know, being the franchise that they want to be, I think they have to be consistent week in and week out and really put their staple in on games in order for people to start believing in them. Ahead of them at 14, I have the Carolina Panthers, solely because of their defense and uh, what Christian McCaffrey's been able to do, the MPP type of season he's had. Um, coming in before them, I mean, coming in before them, I have both the Buffalo Bills. Um, I have them because they're 3-0 and on the road. They, their defense travels. They have opportunities to make plays. I think that Josh Allen is going to find ways to continue to improve. We've always talked about his accuracy and some decision-making, but they're going to have to find a way to uh, limit his turnovers. Um, ahead of them, I have the Philadelphia Eagles, and that's just because they went into their house, went into Buffalo, had a very convincing victory. And uh, like I said before in the last podcast, every time the Phillies had their back against the wall, they seemed to be able to fight their way out of it. And I think that they're going to get things uh, fixed in the locker room. And then coming in at number 11, I have the uh, Minnesota Vikings. And uh, I think the improvement of Kirk Cousins over the last few weeks has definitely helped them to uh, uh, to some degree. And now having that balance between run and pass 
uh, to mix in with already a great defense, I think they're, they're going to have opportunities to, to compete in their division. Now we work our way into the top 10, the nitty gritty. So the number 10 for me is the Kansas City Chiefs. They're 5-3. and three. Patrick Mahomes has obviously been out with that dislocated kneecap, but he continues to practice, and the Chiefs have yet to rule him out from this Sunday's game against the Vikings, which is going to be a big-time game because Minnesota is one of the hottest teams in football right now. That firepower they have on offense, I mean, you look at Tyreek Hill, who's back from injury, Travis Kelsey, and then the trio of backs they have, LaShawn McCoy, Damian Williams, Darrell Williams, and then Sammy Watkins. The list goes on and on. Defensively, there are some questions there, which is why they're number 10 for me. But nonetheless, you can never count out Andy Reid. As you said, Jarrell, Andy Reid, he's a mastermind on offense. And I think this defense, all those stats aren't quite on their side right now. They're starting to show some improvement in terms of stopping the run with some younger defensive linemen that they have, Derek Naughty. Frank Clark was out last week. Hopefully they get him back as well as Chris Jones. Yeah, it would be a it would be a great deal. It would be a great a great importance if they have the opportunity to get Chris Jones back. I think that he is a player that is really going to be a, a dynamic piece for them moving forward. A very a key and important piece for them moving forward. Uh, for me, number ten, I have the uh, Los Angeles Rams. I I have them at number ten because of uh, number one, they're still the defending NFC champs from last year. I understand that there's been some locker room issues. There's been some uh, continuity issues, but the majority of the pieces for this team is still there. Uh, Cooper Cup having that monster game last week still gives me confidence in their offense. They're going to have to find a way to get Todd Gurley going. He's going to have to find ways to have over 100 all-purpose yards and, and to some, in some capacity or 150 all-purpose yards in some capacity. Uh, they still have the two-time uh, defensive MVP. Uh, the acquisition of Ramsey can uh, helps can only help their team, and so I think that they they come in at number ten for me. Yeah, number nine. I actually have the Los Angeles Rams. They're five and three. I know there's been a lot of panic about them about them not being able to contend in the NFC West with the Niners undefeated and then the Seattle Seahawks two-loss team. But I still believe in this duo they have there on offense, Jared Goff, Todd Gurley in the backfield. And then Brandon Cooks, now his future is uncertain after he suffered another concussion. But Cooper Cup went off again. Their tight ends, you're starting to see a little bit more production coming from Gerald Everett. Tyler Higbee is the other tight end that's been getting a little bit more of a workload moving forward. But defensively, Aaron Donald you already talked about him the guy is disruptive the best defensive player in the league right now and then Jalen Ramsey the big splash trade that the Rams made to bolster that secondary and improve them there so I still think this Rams team is very much in contention and they're on a bye week so they get some healthier guys back so they're number nine for me yeah um, number nine for me would be the Baltimore Ravens uh, being five and two uh, we know what they bring to the table, a defensive-minded team. They like to run the ball, be physical. I think they come in number nine for me uh, just because of Lamar Jackson. I don't necessarily know whether or not he's going to be able to throw this team into a Super Bowl. I know that he can do some phenomenal things on the ground with his feet, being creative. Uh, his creativity is outstanding. I think that he has an opportunity to make some big plays. I just He comes in at number nine for me. Just solely on the simple fact, I don't. It's a, it's gonna be opportunities for this team to have to throw the football in order to win, and so that's really why this team comes in at number nine for me. As well as they're in a weak division, um, I think it's down across the board from the Pittsburgh Steelers 
to the, you know, the Bengals. And we already know the debacle that's going on in Cleveland at this moment. And so I think I would have to come in. They would have to come in at number nine for me. Seattle Seahawks are number eight, six and two. They made quick work of the Falcons early in their win. Of course, Matt Schaub was the starting quarterback for Atlanta and things continue to go downhill for them. But Russell Wilson continues his MVP caliber season and is getting significant help from Chris Carson in their potent rushing attack. Their offensive line led by Dwayne Brown and DJ Fluker, who's playing right guard. They've really been able to generate some push at the line of scrimmage. And how about DK Metcalf, the rookie wide receiver, starting to show out a little bit for Seattle Defensively, I still have some questions about that secondary led by Shaquille Griffin, who's had some some splash plays there, but on the back end, I know they acquired Quandre Diggs. I'm interested to see how Ken Norton uses him in that secondary, but for me, they're number eight. They're a team that is valid. Some people don't think they're quite as good as that 6-2 and two record, but for me, I can see this team make it into the playoffs. I would have to agree with you, Isaac. They come in at number eight for me as well, being at six and two. I mean, we talk about the MVP type of season that Russell Wilson's having. Uh, he's a, he's a guy that rarely makes any mistakes. I mean, if you look at his statistics, I mean, he's he's averaging like twenty one for like twenty six a game. Like you know, he's re- he's right in there as far as that completion rating. And it, I mean, it's outstanding to see a guy throw uh, over twenty times in in a game multiple times and 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 his limit himself to. Uh, to very little many uh very little mistakes and so i think their defense is starting to come along they start to they continue to progress up front their front seven i think is is going to have opportunities to make plays for them um but it's always again their secondary uh and if they can get back to that legion of boom type of status with these guys they're going to have to grow up extremely fast in order for this team to be able to compete in this uh tough division and with chris carson doing this thing um, if he can hold on to the football, they have a legitimate chance uh, running the football and being able to control the, the line of scrimmage. Number seven, I have the Indianapolis Colts. I really like this team, and I've said it from the very beginning of the season. I like Jacoby Brissett. I like the DNA that Chris Ballard has built along with Frank Reich. That offensive line, I mean, Quentin Nelson, Costanzo, Kelly, those guys are just terrorizers at the line of scrimmage. And then Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines running the rock, and I think Jacoby Brissett deserves a lot of credit. He doesn't get talked a lot about, but, you know, it was an ugly performance on Sunday against the Broncos, and a lot of people expected them to win in a route. But, of course, this is the NFL, so nothing is guaranteed on a week-to-week basis. But I really do like what they have brewing there. They're getting some healthier players back. We're seeing Malik Hooker, their star safety, who's back in the lineup Darius Leonard missed a couple of weeks with a concussion. He's back out in the field. I expect them to fend off the Texans and win this AFC South when it's all said and done. Number six would be the Minnesota Vikings for me. Six and two. We talked a little bit about them, how they're rolling right now. Dalvin Cook leading the league in rush yards and Kirk Cousins really elevating his play after getting called out by Adam Thielen and a lot of media members coming after him for his underwhelming performance on the big stage. But man, I look at Minnesota's defense, Jarrell, and these guys are darn good. I mean, Danielle Hunter has got to be one of the quietest superstars in the NFL Eight sacks to his name to go along with Everson Griffin, the veteran who has four and a half sacks. So that defensive front, who also has Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks, they cannot be taken lightly. Yeah, the Vikings are starting to make some noise, man. I I think the biggest game for me 
obviously it's going to be their, their, their repeat game against uh, the Green Bay Packers and whether or not they're going to have opportunities to make some plays. And uh, if they can go and take the division, man, because we know uh, when it looks what it looks like right now, it's going to come down between those two teams. And so let me give you my number seven and six pick. Uh, my seventh is uh, the Chiefs at five and three. Um, like I said before, having Andy Reid, you know, at the at the at the helm calling the plays, you can never really count out this team. Uh, he he draws up game plans for everybody that's on the team. He has special plays for every man in his arsenal, and so we never necessarily don't we never necessarily know uh, who's going to be the superstar for this team offensively week in and week out. You know, obviously Tariq Hill coming back is going to be uh, phenomenal for them, but they need to improve their secondary as well as uh, continue to improve it, it, as, as far as their running, their rush defense. Um, number six for me is the the, the, te- the Texans at five and three. Deshaun Watson having the MVP type of season. Um, you know, it, before the loss with J.J. Watt, it was going to be because of their defense is, is starting to improve. Uh, it's going to be very tough for this team to move forward. And so uh, they have deep threats as far as the receivers, the receivers go. But I think that they're going to have to find ways uh, in order to uh, to hold, to keep to get off the field on third down with J.J. Watt being out uh, the rest of the season. Now we're in the top five and my number five team. You have them ranked about four spots lower than I do. I have the Baltimore Ravens at number five. You talked about Lamar Jackson and. You know, there's some questions there definitely about whether he can carry a team with his arm, but I'm buying into the Ravens simply because they can dominate the ground attack. They rank second in total offense, first in rushing, and then you look at their defense, they're third in rush defense, so they're able to stop opposing teams from winning the time of possession battle led by Brandon Williams, their nose tackle there who does a phenomenal job of stopping the bleeding in terms of other running backs getting out in open space. And, of course, Earl Thomas back there, the all-pro safety. I really like the acquisition of Marcus Peters. He's a ball hawk. I know he had some immense struggles in L.A. And so when he was kind of given the boot out the door, a lot of Rams fans rejoiced. But I think he's a good fit in Baltimore with that defense. And I buy into Mark Ingram and look at Gus Edwards, the other running back they have there. And their tight ends, Mark Andrews, who's who's had himself a nice season as well. So I am very, very interested to see how Baltimore is going to play New England on Sunday night. That'll be a very interesting matchup, man. I think it's going to be exciting to see. I think that both teams are going to come out on fire. And uh, that's a very interesting uh, pick at number five. And so um, if I have to give my fifth pick, uh, for me, it would be the Indianapolis Colts at five and two. I think that they're right there in that division. And, um, you know, I know that they've had some ugly games this season, but the goal is to just win the game. And that, and at the, t- at the end of the day, these, this team continues to find ways to win the games. They have a running game. They have an offensive line that's, that's nasty. They have the special teams. They have the kicker. Their defense continues to play better. And Brissett finds ways to win. I mean, at the end of the day, it wasn't the prettiest game last week against the Broncos. But at the end of the day, against the one of the best defensive players in the in the NFL, he was able to shrug him off and have his eyes downfield to complete one of the most important passes of their year in order for them to go down and, and make that game win the field goal. So I think that uh, Brissett, he has all the tools in order for them to be successful. That's why they come in at number five for me. So number four, I have the Green Bay Packers. Seven and one, Aaron Rodgers. He's been playing at an ultra high level. Looks like that. 
connection with Matt LaFleur is starting to pay dividends there in Green Bay. They took down the Chiefs last Sunday night. Of course, Rodgers on full display, making some incredible throws down the field, keeping his team in it. But how about the emergence of Aaron Jones, who he's really coming out not only as a runner, but in the pass game. And how about this? They're just about to get their number one target back in Devontae Adams. So they really haven't even been at full strength, Jarrell. And so that speaks volumes to the scheme that LaFleur has been able to draw up for Aaron Rodgers. And really just helping Rodgers go out there, play loosely, be free, having fun. I'm not completely sold on their defense, but I am sold on the Zadarius and Preston Smith train because those guys are dominant coming off the edge. I need to see a little bit more from their secondary. I know they're young, but in terms of just their offense, I mean, good luck trying to stop them. And I do think they're legit Super Bowl contenders as long as Aaron Rodgers is healthy. Absolutely. I I would agree with you, man. Isaac, uh, Aaron Rodgers is having one of those MVP type of seasons and he's been phenomenal. I'm going to give you my number four and, and three picks. Uh, number four um, will be the uh, New Orleans Saints uh, winning without Drew Brees, being seven and one without Drew Brees. I think, I mean, well, six and one without Drew Brees, I think it's spectacular. Um, Teddy Bridgewater having opportunities uh, of a lifetime to prove that he's worth um, having a, a big time contract. Um, their defense continues to travel. They're a close group. They have continuity there to, to battle out of tough, to, uh, tough situations. And really just, uh, really just Latavius Murray and what he's been able to do over uh, with the absence of uh, Kamara, man. I think that this team has a ways to go, and they, uh, they continue to improve each in, in week in and week out, man. And I, I, just, I, really all, I really like the New Orleans Saints, man. They're a close group. They're a team that continues to, to get better each and every week, and they know their identity, and they don't try to be anything more than what they are. And so that's really why I like them. Uh, number three would be the Green Bay Packers for me. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers and what he's been able to do. The pass rush with the Smith brothers has been phenomenal. It's been it's been great to see. Uh, winning without uh, Adams has been phenomenal to see because it, it gains confidence in your locker room as far as just receivers is concerned. Um, and we've seen Aaron Rodgers do this before with a group of guys off the street. And just uh, finally, Aaron Jones and his emergence and what he's been able to do out the backfield um, in the backfield, and you know he just continues to gain more and more confidence uh, week in and week out. So I think uh, they will have to come in at number three. Yeah, to give you my three, we actually have them swapped. So I had the Packers at four and three. I have the Saints. And so, yeah, Drew Brees was back on Sunday. He looked good going up against the Cardinals. Michael Thomas leading the NFL in receiving yards. And the fact that he was able to keep up his production with Teddy Bridgewater, that just tells you how great of a receiver he is in terms of possession, route running, and the entire seven-yard platter. Michael Thomas is the real deal. But what really stands out to me about New Orleans is their defense and the way they've been playing. They're sixth in total defense. And Cam Jordan, Marcus Davenport, they're starting to see some production from the first-round overall pick that they traded up to get. Marshawn Lattimore is playing very good lockdown defense out on the perimeter. So as long as the Saints defense and Dennis Allen continues to put out strong efforts week in and week out, this offense combined with that performance makes the Saints a very dangerous team, and especially if they're able to clinch home field 
throughout the playoffs. So we'll see how that turns out. But now for the top two teams in the power rankings, Jarrell. And I'm very interested to see how you have yours sorted out between the two unbeaten teams. So, Jarrell, why don't you go ahead and give me your number two team and I'll share mine. All right. So, number two, I have uh, the New England Patriots uh, being 8-0. I think they've been able to uh, play some great football up until this point. We obviously know that Tom Brady and and, uh, Bill Belichick are unbeaten, and they continue to improve even with age. Um, Their defenses continue to improve, and they've been looking great statistically over the uh, first eight games of the season, the addition of Sanu. And I think it's going to be great for them moving forward. I think the biggest test for them up until this point is going to be the Baltimore Ravens this week. And um, and going on the road, Sunday night football, you know this is a team that always continues to give you fritz over the years of Tom Brady's career. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they uh, approach this game and uh, how the Baltimore Ravens approach this game because this is a big one for the AFC Uh, potentially a a team that you'll be facing later on down the road for a championship if you have that opportunity to make it that far. So that's uh, for number two, I have the uh, the New England Patriots. Yeah, same here. I have the Patriots number two, 8-0. They're uh, still ironing out some kinks on offense in the kicking game as they made another change. They signed Nick Folk, cut ties with Mike Nugent. But their dominant defense out there, along with Tom Brady and the way he's able to go out week in, week out, Tear up defenses with Julian Edelman and then just ground and pound with Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead, James White. You never know which running back to game plan for because the Patriots, they put out a different look every single week based on the opponent they're playing. And so, yeah, on that game against Baltimore, that's going to be a fun one to watch. Their defense has been sensational. They rank second in total defense, second in passing, and fourth in rushing. And so that opens up my number one spot for the San Francisco 49ers. As for you, Jarrell, they're 7-0. Their defense is absolutely suffocating with that front seven. You look at DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, D. Ford. All those guys can get after the quarterback, and they did so against the Carolina Panthers on Sunday. And I just like... What Kyle Shanahan, Robert Saleh has been able to do with that defense. And offensively, they're starting to fire on all cylinders. Although Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't really been that great of a passer this season, he really hasn't had to worry much about it because of the rushing attack. They got 232 yards on 38 carries and five touchdowns against Carolina. And that's without... Both of their starting tackles and Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey and their staple fullback, Kyle Juszczyk. So I like San Francisco a lot, and that's why I have them number one. Yeah, Isaac, I think it's it's very undeniable, man. Uh, when you look at this team, the defense and how they've been able to just, I mean, wreck havoc this entire season. When you have a team that can rush for, as we've seen in the past, the teams that have won the Super Bowls, when they have the ability to rush for and drop back into coverage and let guys just do their thing, it's so phenomenal for a team. It's so reassuring for guys in the secondary. They play with a lot. They play with a bigger, uh, a bigger uh, sense of confidence, a, a better, a better sense of urgency when they're back there. And then you have a, you have a guy like Quan Alexander. Uh, he's necessarily not the biggest of linebackers, but he's one of the fastest. He's one of the fastest linebackers in the NFL. 
ball hawking pro bowler, a guy that's been able to just sit back, read coverages, uh, being able to run man to man with with uh, with tight ends and running backs underneath and not worry about quarterbacks scrambling out and, and having opportunities down the field. The addition of uh, Emmanuel Sanders has been phenomenal, as well as the running back duo, man. I mean, these guys have been phenomenal. Uh, Tevin Coleman has given the 49ers what the Atlanta Falcons are missing at this point in time now. When they had a dynamic duo um, with Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman, those, I mean, the Atlanta Falcons look like a completely different offense. And Kyle Shanahan realizes the value in a guy like Tevin Coleman and what he brings to the table. And so when you have a team, man, that continues to improve, they're young. They're talented. Um, they're just now starting to to find their flow. They've been a, they've been in tough games in which they've won against tough opponents. I can't necessarily say that about the New England Patriots. That's reason. That's the reason why they have the number one ranking over the New England Patriots. And it would be very interesting to see how things shake out this week when the Patriots go into uh, Baltimore on the road uh, Sunday night football. Uh, things could change for next week. And that's a perfect segue into our Week 9 matchups and predictions. So let's go ahead and get it started on Thursday night, 49ers at Cardinals. I have San Francisco winning this one, and it won't be close, 26-13. to Kyler Murray has to go up against that defense that has tormented opposing quarterbacks. I look for them taking over a couple of picks, maybe a forced fumble coming from Nick Bosa. Too overpowering for Arizona, 26-13 San Francisco. Um, I personally have San Francisco dominating this game as well, uh, 31 to 10. The the great thing is when you play defense and you have to go on the road, the offense tells you everything that they have to do because they have to be quiet. And so coming on a short week, I think it's going to be very easy for this defense to pick up their scheme of what they want to do offensively. So I have them winning 31 to 10, um, San Francisco. All right, next game here, Texans at Jaguars. This is going to be played in London, so an early morning kickoff on Sunday, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. Give me the Jaguars. Gardner Minshew is playing really well right now. The Texans, they're very vulnerable, especially on defense. They're banged up. They were without Deshaun Gibson, Jonathan Joseph on Sunday, and I just like Jacksonville right now. They're kind of playing the dark horse mentality. A lot of people kind of uh, put them in the cellar after the whole Jalen Ramsey fiasco and they're playing for something. Doug Marone has the respect of the locker room. I look for them to squeeze out a close victory, 23-20 to 20, over the Texans. Man, it's crazy because we have uh, similar predictions. I actually have the Jaguars winning 18-15 to 15 in a close game in London. I think they're going to try to run the ball and be as physical as possible to keep the ball out of Deshaun Watson's hands. Because even with the, the absence of J.J. Watt, um, defensively, this offense can put up a lot of points. So I think the Jags are have to come in and, and control the line of scrimmage. So I have the Jags winning 18 to 15. Redskins at Bills. Give me the Bills, but it's going to be closer than a lot of people think. Buffalo 24-16 over the Redskins, who look to roll out Case Keenum as long as he's healthy. And Washington's been playing teams close because of that front seven. But I like for Buffalo to bounce back and get a narrow victory at home. Um, I think that they're going to dominate at home. If I know Sean McDermott, I know that he's been big on um, bouncing back this week. They uh, they took a they took a blow last week against Philadelphia, so I personally think they're going to dominate the uh, Washington Redskins and get their uh, confidence back up. So I have them winning thirty four to ten in Buffalo. Vikings at Chiefs. Give me the Vikings, 30-17. to 17. Now, Patrick Mahomes could play, and if he does play, obviously it's going to sway me a little bit more to Kansas City. But even if he does play, Jarrell, Minnesota's defense is no joke. Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, 
They're going to get Thielen back, it looks like, Stephon Diggs in Kansas City secondary. Those guys are getting torched on the regular, so I still like Minnesota either way, 30-17. to 17. Man, not so fast. I think that Kansas City at home, I know they had a they had a nail-biter last week against Minnesota, uh, against Green Bay. I don't think that they're going to have uh, the same uh, the same fate this week, man. I think Andy Reid is going to find a way to to score points. So I have them winning twenty four to twenty um, in a, in a nail biter in Kansas City. We move on here to the next matchup: the Jets at the Dolphins, also known as the Tankathon or the Tank Bowl. This will be in Miami, and I actually like Ryan Fitzpatrick to get the job done. He didn't look that bad against Pittsburgh either. I give him the edge in Miami. They finally get their first win over the Jets, 27-23, in what should be a relatively painful game to watch for both fan bases. Oh, it's going to be a dreadful game to watch, but it's going to be exciting to tailgate. It's going to be exciting <laughs> to, uh, to experience the clubs and stuff in Miami, man. It's going to be an exciting day. You in Miami, um, and it's getting cold up north, so it's going to be an exciting day, uh, but I mean, I think I personally would would like to rock with you, man, as far as uh, Fitzpatrick and have an opportunity to beat the Jets. Um, with everything that they're going on in the managerial standpoint, I just don't necessarily think these players are going to buy in with everybody's name being on the trade block and uh, the GM saying one thing and then do another. So I just I don't necessarily think these players are going to respond in the way that they have to. And so I think Fitzpatrick's going to come out and they win 17-10. Uh, to 10. Bears at the Eagles. I like the Eagles all day. 29-14. The Bears, they clearly have offensive issues with Mitchell Trubisky. Now the Bears got to go on the road to play at the link in a hostile environment. Philadelphia, they're coming off a big-time win over the Buffalo Bills. Looks like they're starting to buy into Doug Peterson. You know all the noise that's been going around there in the city of brotherly love. I look for them to come out, put together another good performance on defense. They're going to shut down Chicago offensively and wear down Chicago's defense on the ground, which has been their forte with Jordan Howard. So give me the Eagles 29-14. to 14. Yeah, I have the, I have the Eagles uh, dominating this game, actually, 34-17. Uh, to 17. Um, I think that they're going to have a tremendous day against Trubisky. I know that Howard is going to tell them everything that they need to know about that offense. Mm -hmm. And so, and so their defense is going to have opportunities and, uh, and ways to be successful. And so, I mean, it's, it sucks, man, when you have a great defense like Chicago and, 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 uh, they have opportunities to make, the, uh, you know, make plays and, you know, it's, that's what makes football so great being the ultimate team sport, man. But I just think that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to dominate 34 to 17, and I just don't think that Trubisky is going to be the guy for them moving forward in which Chicago is going to ultimately make the decision after this season. Colts at Steelers. Give me the Colts 24-20. to They're going to go to Heinz Field, and that's a pretty tough environment to play in, but I still like the Colts because of their ability to dominate the time of possession. And plus, I am not sold on Mason Rudolph. He looked very shaky on Monday night, and if it wasn't for the Dolphins playing to the tank mode, then we may have seen Miami win the game over Pittsburgh. Mason Rudolph just seems that he's a check down kind of a guy. He's very inaccurate down the field. In Indianapolis, I like him to go up there and secure a tight victory, 24 to 20. Yeah, I personally think that the Indianapolis Colts are going to, um, you know, dominate in this game. And when I say dominate, I think, you know, I'm always thinking, you know, by two touchdowns or more. And so I think they're going to win 28 to 14 um, to a degree. I just think that their offensive line, as far as the as far as the Colts are concerned, I think their offensive line is elite. 
Um, and Brissett's going to figure it out um, going up against this fire zone defense, which is this seems to be the only highlight as far as Pittsburgh is concerned. And Mason Rudolph hasn't looked the same since his hit against um, the Baltimore Ravens. And so he's he's timid. He's moving around the pocket in a different type of way. And I just think that the Colts have the right formula to go in and dominate um, 28-14. Titans at Panthers. Give me the Panthers to bounce back and win this one 21-17. Now the Titans are one of those teams that they can come in. They're very well capable of taking this win on the road considering that defense. And Ryan Tannehill has obviously proven a lot of people wrong, including myself. I didn't think Tennessee made the right move going with him over Mariota. But I like Christian McCaffrey. Obviously, the guy has put himself in conversation to be mentioned as an MVP candidate. I like for Carolina's secondary to come back, play angry after getting torched by San Francisco. 21-17, Carolina over Tennessee. See, I have uh, Carolina winning 24-18. to 18. Um, You know, it's kind of hard to write off the, t- the Titans just because of I mean, they're sitting at 500, man, when we were ready to write them off. And it's kind of, I mean, they're up for the division as well still. So, um, you know, they have some surprising victories as well. But I think the Carolina Panthers at home is going to be uh, the, really the, 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 the significance for me. And so um, I have them winning 24 to 18, um, the Carolina Panthers. Lions at Raiders. This one is going to be of high intrigue. Both teams needing a win to just stay afloat in their respective division. I like the Lions. 34-30. I expect a shootout. High scoring affair as both of these defenses have struggled in recent weeks. We saw the Raiders go out and sign a pair of linebackers. Brandon Marshall, Will Compton because... They were just atrocious against Houston. They could not stop the run or make any tackles out in space. In the end, give me Matthew Stafford over Derek Carr. I like what he has in Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. I look for them to find some success against Oakland secondary. So I'll take Detroit 34-30. I don't think it's going to be that high scoring of a game, man. I would have to disagree with you. Um, I would. I want to take the uh, want to take the Oakland Raiders 26 to 20. I think. But they're going to try to do their best to control the line of scrimmage and, and run the football like they have been. Um, I don't ne- I don't necessarily see their formula changing anytime soon. Um, I think the additions at linebacker is going to have is going to greatly improve. But they're going to try to control the line of scrimmage, man. And so we'll see how how well that works out. But I have them winning twenty six to twenty. Uh, the Oakland Raiders. Buccaneers at Seahawks. Give me the Seahawks 28-24. to I think this will be a very close game. Jameis Winston, who continues to battle turnovers. Regardless of that, that offense is still very high octane with Mike Evans. And I look for him to have a big day as well. But Seattle at home, that's the difference. Russell Wilson, look for another big day going up against Tampa's vulnerable secondary. So Seahawks 28-24. Yeah, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game as well. Um, I have uh, the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers losing this game. I know, I know you didn't think they were going to win, but no, I have them losing um, 38-34 to 34 to, to the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I think that the, it's going to be a, a very high-scoring game, like we said before. Um, I know that uh, Seattle wants to improve in their secondary, but I just think that, I mean, Mike Evans is just a man among boys right now, and so... Um, I think that, that Wilson is going to find a way to get him at least 200 yards this evening because that's what it's been looking like over the past few weeks. And so 38-34 uh, the Seahawks. 
Browns at Broncos. This one should be a snoozer, right? Because Brandon Allen will be starting for the Broncos after Joe Flacco was diagnosed with a herniated disc in his neck. And this is a must win for the Browns. If they cannot get this win with Brandon Allen starting for Denver and a team that is kind of broken apart right now after they traded Emmanuel Sanders. Chris Harris was dangled in trade talks. So I got to have Cleveland 23 to 10 over the Broncos. But again, Jarrell, if they somehow have a mishap and they lose this game in mile high, things are just going to get a whole lot uglier there. Yeah, the Browns have to win this game uh, solely because they're going to start uh, making everybody available. I mean, they're going to I mean, they're going to be cutting guys left and right that that, uh, that they don't have to pay any guaranteed money to. You're going to be seeing a, a coaching change right away uh, as far as everything is concerned. And, I mean, that team is just going to continue to fall apart, man. Two and five with all those superstars on paper, I, it, it's very sad to see. But I think that they're going to go out there and get a win some way, somehow. They're going to squeak out a win in mile high, um, 20 to 10. Here we go. We got three more games here. Packers at Chargers. Here is the Isaac upset special of the week. Give me the Chargers, 31-27 over the Packers. Now, I can't say that the Chargers are going to have home field advantage because it seems like the visiting team has more fans than the Chargers actually do, which is very sad for the Chargers players, I'm sure. But nonetheless, I like where this team is headed. And they made a big move earlier this week, Jarrell. They fired Ken Wisenhunt, and that kind of came out of left field. A lot of people have seen how this Chargers offense has been very predictable. They've been unable to get Melvin Gordon going. Now Keenan Allen should be back in the lineup. And I look for this to be a high-scoring game, and it's really hard to pick against Aaron Rodgers right now. But if there is a game where Green Bay could slip up, I think it's right here against this Chargers team that they are backed into a corner and they need to win to stay alive in this AFC West and especially knowing Kansas City and their slump without Mahomes. So give me the Chargers 31-27 over the Packers. Absolutely not. Like, come on. Absolutely not. Like, Green Bay, my very first game in the NFL – when we traveled to uh, San Diego, and this is when they had a big stadium, mm-hmm. our fan our fan base took over their stadium. And I expect the same, just like the Pittsburgh Steelers did earlier in the year. I expect the same thing, man. The Green Bay fan base travels well. I expect Aaron Rodgers to be feeling that Cali sun. He's going to be enjoying it. Um, and they're going to light up the scoreboard, man. I think it's I think it's going to be a, a high-scoring game. Um, so I, I do – I have the uh, the Packers winning uh, 30, uh, 33 to 20 and I, I mean I think they're going to dominate man I know that you know both and those guys have opportunities to get after Aaron Rodgers but I mean it's Aaron Rodgers I'm back in Cali and, you know I'm feeling really good I'm gonna light up the scoreboard man I think it's going to keep going well, I think uh, Joey Bosa is going to light up the scoreboard as well when he sacks Rodgers a couple of times. But uh, we'll see, man. That's going to be an intriguing matchup. But that's my upset special of the week right there. So we'll see how I sound come next Wednesday. But now we're in the primetime games, and this is the game that a lot of people are excited to see, including myself. It seems like we haven't had a very good primetime matchup the last couple of weeks. So Patriots at the Ravens. Jarrell, do the Patriots suffer their first loss of the season i personally think they do uh baltimore is coming off a bye week i think that they're going to have the success that they need in order to be successful i mean in order to win this game they have the running game they have an extra week to get healthy 
Um, you know, looking at New England the last few weeks, I think that they're going to come into a game uh, running a lot of press man, um, letting Earl Thomas have opportunities in the back end to uh, play with Tom Brady and and uh, try to be unpredictable as far as the coverages are concerned. If they can put Lamar Jackson in, in a lot of third and medium to short situations, that they'll have opportunities to move the change and they have the running game to do so. But like I said, man, it's, it's going to be a young quarterback going up against uh, Bill Belichick. Um, he's been you know, undefeated against the young quarterbacks up until this point. Lamar Jackson's ability to run the football is going to be the X factor for them. But Belichick has a tremendous amount of uh, uh, swagger when it comes to game planning against these type of quarterbacks. And so it's going to be a very close game. I personally think that Justin Tucker is going to win the game for them on a late field goal, um, 28 to 25. I think it's going to be a very close game uh, in, in New Orleans. I mean, not not New Orleans, but in Baltimore. And New England is going to have an uh, opportunity to win the game. But if uh, Lamar Jackson um, can, can move the chains on third down and not be in a lot of third and long situations, then Baltimore has every opportunity to win this game. Yeah, I think the Ravens are going to win as well. I have them taking it 26-20, to 20, and here's the difference. I think this Baltimore defense ends the game with two turnovers on Tom Brady, one going to Earl Thomas, the other going to Marcus Peters. I think that is the big factor here. I look for Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, and this rushing attack to continue to really push and control the time of possession, keeping the ball out of Tom Brady's hands as much as they can. And I do think Baltimore, their defense, I know they've been suspect, especially in, in terms of pass defense, but I think this is the game where they turn the corner. They're going to get Jimmy Smith back, one of their starting corners who's been out for the entire season or since week one with the MCL injury. That's going to give them the boost and look for them to put some extra emphasis on applying pressure on Brady and making him uncomfortable in the pocket. So I like Baltimore to win at home by six in what should be a very physical smash mouth game in the trenches. So really looking forward to that one. We both have the Ravens pulling it out in a tight one. And here's the last game of the Week 9 slate. Monday Night Football, the Cowboys at the Giants in MetLife Stadium. Who do you have taking this one? Man, I got the Giants, man. What you yeah, I knew you were going to do I that, man. I knew you were going to do that. Man, I got the Giants. Give me the Giants. Saquon, give me the Giants. Daniel Jones, find a way out of no way. Run away, throw it away, but keep it away from Dallas. That's all I got to say. Like, keep keep going. Um, no, but I mean, I got them upsetting Dallas. Um 21 to 20, man, I think it's going to be an extraordinary game. I, I always like the, the Giants and the Cowboys games. Um, I, I mean, historically, it's always been great, man. But I think the Giants are going to try to find some way, somehow, to, uh, to, uh, to win this game. And I, I'm excited to see how it goes. Man, Jarrell, I'm going to have to ask you to leave this podcast for good, bro. <laughs> no, man, I, I got you, man. Hey, you know what? I, as petty as you're being right now, it's funny that your your upset special and my upset special are against our favorite team. So you know what? I'm all for it, bro. I'm all for it. The Cowboys, man. Of course, I'm going to take the Cowboys to win, but I do think it's going to be close. 34-24 to with the Cowboys pulling away with a score in the last couple of minutes in the fourth quarter. But Daniel Jones, man, I'm not overlooking him. 
I see what he's been able to do, athletic, and then Saquon Barkley. We know the dynamic playmaker he is. But in the end, I like this Dallas offense to dictate the tempo. They're coming off a dominant performance against Philadelphia. Maybe they're able to continue that. Inconsistency has been key for Dallas, which you talked about earlier. So we'll see how they look coming off their bye week. But if they are as good as they think they are and as we see them to be, they should come out and win this game on the road. So give me the Cowboys 34-24 to over the Giants. So we have a couple of questions here from the fans, and then we'll close it out. This one's a fantasy football question, and I said, sure, I'll go ahead and answer it. Nick Pafanbecker, I think that's how you say it, wants to know if he should start Sammy Watkins against Minnesota or Mike Williams against the Packers this week? Ooh, um, to be honest with you, I personally, I personally think that uh, if I had an opportunity to uh, start a guy, I think it would be, um, I would think it would be Mike Williams against uh, the Green Bay. I think their secondary has been um, a little bit more vulnerable, uh, and then their Minnesota secondary. And I just think that their defense is, uh, as far as Green Bay has more of a chance to give up the big play than the Minnesota Vikings defense. And so I will have to take Mike Williams against Green Bay. Yeah, I would say Mike Williams as well. He's a red zone and a big play threat. Plus, they fired Wisenhunt for his conservative play calling. So maybe Phillip Rivers is going to take some more shots down the field. Green Bay's 19th in pass defense. So I would definitely go Williams because Minnesota's secondary, those guys are good. Eighth in the league in pass defense. Now, the last question we'll take here, and this is actually a really good one. Is there any team with a losing record right now that you can see making the playoffs? Harry Martin wants to know. And I'll go first, as you think. I have the Chargers as a team. They're 3-5. and five. Again, since the very beginning of the season, I believed in Anthony Lynn and the talent they have on the defensive front with Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. Plus, they're going to be maybe getting Derwin James back from injured reserve at some point in the back half of the year. So I like the Chargers. Now, I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs, but I see them, of all the other teams who have a losing record right now, I tab them as the best chance. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with you. When I when I kind of come across the teams at the bottom, um, I mean, if you wanted to add in, I don't necessarily know uh, if you want to add in any type of teams that are, are 500 or not, but I think, you know, if I had to add a team that's 500, uh, Jacksonville would probably be the team this week. They have a great opportunity in order to be successful, um, as well as, uh, you know, as well as the Tennessee Titans. That division is kind of up for grabs, but you know, as far as a losing record, I would I would have loved to see the the Chicago Bears have an opportunity to get back in it. But, you know, their play at quarterback has been so suspect that I can't really give them the nod that I want to. That does it. Again, fans, we appreciate you all sending in some questions. We're sorry we're only able to answer a couple, but we'll continue this trend moving forward. Jarrell, appreciate your time again, man. Looking forward to some more good football matchups this weekend. So enjoy it. Enjoy Halloween as well and stay safe. Man, I appreciate it again. Always a great chance uh, to be on the show, man, and have opportunity to talk great football. Fans, continue to send in your intriguing questions, whether it be um, anything coming up for the postseason, um, offseason, um, coaching, GM, any of that thing, any anything that's kind of creative, man. We continue to uh, appreciate the, your support and uh, just show us love. All right, bro. Take care. God bless, and we'll be in contact next week. My man, thank you. You know how to book flights and hotels. 
All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.